It was late one night when his wife found him standing over their crib of their firstborn child. As she watched, it seemed as, as he was looking down, he was filled with a mixture of emotion, disbelief, delight, amazement, astonishment. Touched by this unusual display and deep emotion, something began to be aroused in her. So she slipped in and put her arm around him and said, I'd give a penny for your thoughts right now. He said, it's amazing. It's amazing. I just cannot see how anyone can make a crib like this for only $46. <laughs> Sounds so typical of a guy, doesn't it? Come on, ladies, amen? So typical. But just maybe there's something here for all of us. Just maybe we've all missed something on the inside because of something on the outside. Like a, a misinterpretation of or a misrepresentation of when it comes to the Holy Spirit. I mean, we talked about this, right? That in some ways that there are things and ways that the Holy Spirit has been displayed defined, demonstrated, and those things have somehow confused, overshadowed the incredible gift that God has given us. I want you to look at the screen, and here's a problem with the English language, but I want you to notice what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, make every effort. I don't know about you, but when I read those words in the Word of God, I get exhausted. I watch a lot of Christians who, who seem to be overwhelmed. Like I hear words that, man, being a Christian is so hard. And, and I'm, I'm going to continue to press that. I think being a Christian is really simple. I think not being a Christian is hard. I, I don't know how someone, when they deal with death and they don't know Christ, I don't even know how they deal with it. I don't know what world you think we live in, but I have a hard enough time dealing with myself, but it's amazing to me the tens of thousands who live in this city who go to bed every night with themselves, and I don't even know how they survive. When you think about the way they live. See, we have this idea that I don't think they even care. Oh, no, 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 no. That's the myth. Satan's done a great job. Everybody really cares. Every human being goes to bed every night hoping they'll be liked, valued, and they'll sacrifice just about anything to get it done. They think about it all the time. It's crazy. I, I don't know how they exhaust those thoughts and they're getting nowhere. And they chase what they chase. There isn't a father who doesn't not want to be a really good father. And yet the absence of a dad is why? I don't know how you can live and survive. I don't know how you do it without Jesus. When Jesus made it so, so simple. So here, here the writer says, make every effort. But that's a problem with the human language. It says, make every effort to be holy. For without holiness, no one will ever see the Lord. The word holiness and the word holy is a big word. 
It literally means be like Jesus. And we simply, the moment we hear that, we're just like, I can't do that. I try. I get so tired. I exhaust. I make mistakes. I fall short. But these two words are not about works. They're not about, if you will, your doing. I'm going to help you with it. Because here's what it really says. It's, it's really meaning that every moment of every day, you just position yourself, your mind and your thoughts to simply this, what does the Bible say and what would Jesus do? I, 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 let, me, let me help you with this, okay? Because see, I believe this is really what's going on and everything I read keeps coming back to it. That when we make every effort, we're just simply aligning ourselves, yielding ourselves, positioning ourselves to the very voice of the Holy Spirit, that now the Spirit is the one who does all the work. When you read the scriptures, the Bible says, people go, I just don't know what to say. You know what the Bible says? You don't have to worry about to say the Holy Spirit will speak on your behalf. Oh, like really? I don't have to worry about, like, like I might tell my friend too much or I might tell him too little. Yeah, no. Do you love him? Yep. You'll tell him exactly what he needs. Like, if you got the Holy Spirit in, you ready for this? You really think the Holy Spirit's going to let you screw that up? God's soul of the world. You didn't lay your life down. God had his son lay his life down. You really think he's going to allow a human being to mess that all up? If you really love them. That's why love covers a multitude of sin. That's why unforgiveness is so destructive. Because now you're in the way of the Holy Spirit. Now you're not going to love. You're going to judge. You're going to condemn. And your, your spirit's already wrong and messed up. Yeah, you'll mess that up. But when you love, it trumps pretty much everything. Greatest of these is love. And see, here, here's what, in a simpler form, you all know what this is. I mean, we're trying to, if you will, create, if you will, the side of a house and you have a spigot, Correct? It's an amazing thing, isn't it? And then we have this thing called what? A hose. This is what you and I are. I, I don't know if you figured it out, but if you purchase a hose and you just put it in your garage like that, it doesn't work. I, I don't know if you knew this or not. It, it's amazing to me. I go by houses and the flowers are dead and I'm like, you know, I, I, I just, I mean, I, I meet people and they're like, Pastor, I just don't understand. I don't understand. Pastor, I'm so angry right now. We planted all these flowers and they died. Did you water them? They're just dead. Did you water them? Aren't they supposed to just take care of themselves? You know, the way you parent. You know, you have a child and you just give them one of these and you walk away. And then you're mad then they don't come out right. It's weird, isn't it? I don't know you about it. The Bible's pretty clear. If you want a marriage, you got to water it. When you raise kids, you got to water them. I think Jesus said, anyone who comes to this well will never thirst again. But you got to hook up. See, see, the way this works is this thing is useless. It's crazy. When you do this, and you turn the water on, this thing still isn't doing anything. It's not doing anything. 
It just now has the water flowing through it. And all you have to do is just walk around and it'll go as far as the hose is going and you just water. But it's not doing anything. The hose is not working and yet it's working. Does that make sense? The Bible says that I will give you the Holy Spirit and he will teach you all things. He will show you all things. He will speak on your behalf. He will help you see as the Holy, as God sees. The Holy Spirit does everything. All we have to do is hook up. But if you don't hook up people, you get hosed. It's amazing how many people are sitting here right now thinking they're a follower of Jesus and they're not hooked up to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it again. There are a lot of people. I think what makes America the most difficult place in the world to witness is because I think there's a lot of people who think they're going to heaven who aren't. And it's really hard to convince them when they actually know Jesus. How do you tell someone who goes, well, I go to church. I grew up in the church. And that's how they talk. And I'm like, that's not the Holy Spirit, folks. The Holy Spirit doesn't, the Holy Spirit doesn't defend itself. The Holy Spirit doesn't justify itself. The Holy Spirit is not an entity outside of God. The Holy Spirit is God. It's the very presence of Jesus in you that Jesus gave an example by which to live and the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, this is why you read the Bible. You see that? Now I'm going to do all that in you. You just stay in my word and be obedient and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a work. You stay in my word and be obedient and I will do the work. But I can do nothing when you're apart from me. Nothing. So this is why when people come to me and they claim to be followers of Jesus and we just all of a sudden don't see them anymore and they're just gone and then they come to me and they, or, or through the grapevine, they say, that, that literally, I had someone write me this and, and watch this. I want you to listen to this very carefully. You may disagree, but what I'm preaching to you is the word of God. When they say this, pastor, we want to thank you for celebrating. God's just leading us in a different direction now. He's given us a new chapter in our lives. I want you to listen to this. God will never sacrifice relationships for your benefit. Never. Never. For you to say God's doing that in you, then you're saying that God doesn't care about everybody else here. The most important thing to God is relationships. And until you get that right, he says this, if you don't love your brother, you don't know me. You don't get to start here and then go here. This is determining because the Holy Spirit knows oneness. That's why I wish the church was filled with not like-minded people. We go to this church because we, we agree with what they teach. We, I wish we could stop doing that and go to a church where people challenge us, make us think. We might not agree on certain theological issues, but you remember this? The world will know because of how we love one another. 
Iron sharpens iron. Not likeness sharpens likeness. I need people who rub me, that challenge me. I hunger for that because that makes me more like we're better together. It makes me more like Jesus. See, this is why Warren Wiersbe said the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not a luxury. It is a complete necessity. So for the next two weeks, we're going to look at the manifestations, four manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Two that are inward, two that are outward. Two that are private, two that are public. Now, let me just say this. I think the Christian life is awesome, and I'm going to say it again, and pretty simple. See, when I trusted Jesus as my Savior and my Lord, my sins were forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen to that? All I had to do, all I had to do was to ask him to forgive me. Believe what he said. If I confess with my mouth that he is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I'm saved. Now listen, but it's not Jesus that's in my heart. It's the Holy Spirit. If I'm wrong, Jesus lied, and all of this is completely a myth. Jesus said, it's best that I go away. I'm going to the Father. I will sit at the right hand of the Father. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place, I will come back. That's the second coming. Well, then who's in my heart? The Holy Spirit. My Father's going to send. Watch this. God so loved. The story of the Bible is about God. God so loved. And man in the garden messed that up. We somehow think we know best. And we all go our own way. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short. We all trust in ourselves. We're all sheep thinking we know a better pasture. And so... God had been chasing and chasing. Finally, God comes to earth and says, listen, how do you argue with someone who's like you, who's perfect? And then he will lay down his life for your sin. You don't have to worry about that. He will rise from the dead to show you the power of who I am. But then he's going to come set with me because he's only one person. Folks, if Jesus is in your heart, he can't be in mine. If Jesus is in Sioux Falls, he can't be in Omaha. He was the living example for what you and I can be like. And he said, but it's best I go away. Because when I go away, my Father will send back the Holy Spirit. And greater things you will do than I, Jesus said. And he will be with you. And he shows us what that's about. And by the way, when I gave my life and the Holy Spirit came in, I didn't get a part of him. I got all of him. And now the Spirit goes to work. Every single one of us who says that they are a follower of Jesus has the fullness of the Spirit within them. We wake up in the very presence indwelling in us to enable us, to empower us, to equip us, to meet and greet the world around us. Now listen, maybe they won't be impressed by who we are, but I guarantee you they will be impacted by who the Spirit is. And you know why? Because they're going to see something in us they just don't see in anybody else.
power of the Spirit. And so I want you to look at the screen, and we're going to look, if you will, at two verses, and I don't want you to miss them. These are the words of Jesus. It is better for you that I go away. It is better for you that I go away. It is better. For when I go away, I will send the Helper, the Holy Spirit, to you. If I do not go away, he will not come. But when the Helper, the Holy Spirit, comes, watch this. He will convict to the people of the world the truth about sin and about being right with God and about judgment. I want to look at two inward manifestations today about the inward work of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to talk about the outward work of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to miss this. Here's the first one. If you've got a place to write, write it down. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will convict us of our sin. He will convict us of our sin. And we've all sinned, right? Boy, that was quiet. Okay. We've all sinned, correct? See, trust, listen to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is going, ah, yeah, okay? We've all sinned. Now watch this. I'm not sure you all get this yet. One day God was looking down on earth, and he saw all the evil that was going on. I mean, it was evil. It was evil. So he decided to send an angel to check it out and make sure he was seeing it right. When the angel returned, he said, you know, God, it is bad. It is bad. 95% bad. But 5% are really good. God's like, okay, you obviously missed something here. They're all evil. They're, they're all sinners, okay? They're no good. I, I, better get a, I better get a second opinion. So he sends another angel. When the angel returned, the angel said the same thing. 95%, man, it's evil, God, but there's 5% really good. I mean, they're good. God's like, really? Oh, my goodness. I, I, th I thought they all had sinned and fallen short. So God said, I better do something for that 5%. Like, I need to encourage them and, and give them something to keep them going, all right? So he sent them an email, okay? Okay? <laughs> Does anybody know what the email said? So you didn't get one either, huh? Okay. All right. Okay. So here we are, all on the same page, okay? All right. Okay. Just wanted to make sure we're all in this together, okay? Now, listen to this carefully. Hold on to this. Patrick Lawler, true story, was a construction worker who thought he had a toothache. For almost a week, he tried painkillers, ice packs, to reduce the swelling. But nothing brought relief. So he finally went to his dentist. After several x-rays, it was discovered the sources of his toothache. True story. Look at this. He had a four-inch nail in his head. I know some of you thinking that was fabricated. True story. In fact, the doctor who removed it said, I've only seen this, not me personally, I've only seen this in the world one other time. You see, six days prior, Patrick, being a construction worker, was on the job when his nail gun backfired. It happened so fast, he had no idea that a nail shot into his mouth and embedded itself, just missing his eye. Now hold on to this. Just hold on to that. This is why God gave us the Holy Spirit, the first 
act of the Holy Spirit. I said, hang with me. See, most messages today are convince people of the goodness of God. Show them the universal fatherhood and the assurance they have of God's unlimited mercy. Win them with grace, but never, and I mean never, mention his wrath or the need of an apology, especially there's a possibility of a hell. Don't speak of judgment. Do not speak of sorrowfulness. Just comfort and encourage them in the goodness of God. And yet the Bible says the message of the Spirit is radically different than that. See, first the Holy Ghost does not come to make sinners comfortable, but to bring about conviction. The Spirit of God helps us first not to forget or think little of sin, but first to show us how horribly of the enormity of it, because anything less would be no different than a good old Mother Goose story. See, we first must understand who we are not, for then and only then can we truly discover who he really is. You know, C.S. Lewis writes it this way, the Christian religion is in the long run a thing of unspeakable comfort. When you think about heaven and all of that, he says, but it does not begin in comfort. It begins in the dismay. And it is no use at all trying to go on to comfort without first going through that dismay. See, the Bible tells us that the way for the Spirit to liberate us from guilt and the power of evils is to convict us of our guilt and the power of evil. For before you can be healed, you first got to admit you're sick. Unlike a lot of older men where their wife said, you need to go check to the doctor. Nah, I'm okay. I don't make light of an old man in this room because some of your ladies are probably grabbing his leg right now said, I've been telling you. <laughs> I'm going to get emails flooded this week of saying, thank you, pastor. Okay. <laughs> I think the church is full of people. I'm okay. <clears throat> wow, the devil's good, isn't he? you actually think you're okay. Well, at least I'm not Adolf Hitler. You just as well be if you don't know Jesus because you're going to the same place. See, and there's some of you right now going, I don't want to go to church like that. Of course not. You want to go to church that just itches your ears and makes you the focus and tells you how good you are. And the Bible says none of us are good. See, we don't want to hear that, do we? See, I would say this, how can you claim to be a follower of Jesus? Who do you think even convicted you that you need Jesus? Where do you think that came from? You'll never be found until you understand you're lost. As long as you think there's hope in you, there'll never be hope in you. See, guilt, conviction is a beautiful thing, folks. It's one of the most blessed of things. It's God's way of showing his love for us and to us. See, we have this strange illusion that mere time cancels sin, but mere time does nothing. 
our guilt is not washed away by time, but by repentance and the blood of Christ. And that conviction only comes by way of the Holy Spirit. See, it was the Holy Spirit that made me see what I'm rebelling against and what I'm losing out on in life. It's the Holy Spirit that made me grieve over the ugliness of my sin and give me a want to be different. It's the Holy Spirit that helps me see my true human condition. It's the Holy Spirit that brings me to a place of genuine sorrow and repentance. It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit. But listen to this. But this guilt and conviction is different from worldly guilt and conviction. For the moment I respond to the Spirit's convicting work, it's instantly and completely washed away. For the conviction of the Spirit is never to beat me down, but to remove what's been holding me back so now the Spirit of God can build me up. It's the conviction that says, you're hosed. And there's no hope for you. You're useless. You're worthless. Until you hook up and everything changes. And water begins to flow that cannot flow any other way. It's crazy how it works, isn't it? It's such a simple, beautiful thing. And yet that's why we had to speak of sin. I thought Marv, God really spoke through him of making his crystal clear as it is. Sin is sin. It separates you from God. And yet I hear people say over and over, you know, ah, it's just a little thing. Ah, oh, it's not that big a deal. I'm here to tell you, you might think it's one little lie. It is sin. And for you to trivialize that is sad. And yet no one in this room, there's no guy in this room would be okay if his wife came home and said, listen, I love you. I love you. Kyle, I slipped today. No big deal. I just made out with my boss. Don't worry about it, though. I love you. Just made a little deal. No big deal. Your human relationship is more important than your godly one. No wonder your marriage struggles because it's him that's the one that created marriage. If you're not right here, you've got real issues here. This is why it hurts my heart when young people are living and having sex outside of marriage and they're justifying, we love each other. Don't you love him more? They can't save you. They can't get you to heaven. That relationship, earthly, is more important than this one? And yet it happens in friendships. It happens in so many ways. Sin is sin. And God hates sin. And for us to trivialize it is to weaken the cross and the under, unbelievable gift that his perfect son gave his life for what you call no big deal. The first and foremost work of the Holy Spirit is to convict us and help us understand I'm not beating you down. 
I'm helping you understand who you're not so you can realize who I am and then I can build you up. I can build you up. See, this is what Romans 8 says. Watch this. If we live according to the flesh, we will what? Come on. We live according to the flesh, we will what? It's not any gray. Live according to the flesh, you will die. But if we live by the Holy Spirit, it doesn't say we live. Look what it says. We will put to death the misdeeds of the body. In other words, the Holy Spirit's going to convict us of our sin, and we're going to want to put that away. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be of the world. Sin makes me die. But the Holy Spirit says, let's get rid of this stuff. I want to show you what that is. That's why, listen to this, if we justify sin, we disqualify the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to convict us. Remember when I told you, hold on? You play with sin, you're going to end up with a four-inch nail in your head and in your heart. Because it happens quick. And Satan comes to steal and destroy and to kill. He hates your marriage. He hates your kids. And he's going to do everything he can to make sure that you're without him. And the only one that knows how to love them is him. And God put the Holy Spirit in to say, listen, do not put anything before me. Nothing will help your kids. Not a coach, not a boss not a friend. What your kids need is what you need. But I can't give your kids what they need if you don't even realize what you need. The Spirit is for real, people. This is why every moment of every day we align ourselves, we hook up. That's how I started my day this morning. I'm just alone with God. Not just reading his word because it's a nice thing to do. I'm just saying, listen, I want to know what the word says because he's going to lead us. He's the spirit of truth that will lead us in truth. I'm going to start, talk about that in just a second and wrap this up. But I want to spend a lot of time in conviction because we have to start with who we're not so we will get hooked up to who he is. Well, we're going to end up with a four-inch nail in our head. And it ain't just a headache. It'll kill you. It's a big deal. But when we hook up and realize we align, what does the word say? What would Jesus do? He's my example. What would the word say? What would Jesus do? I don't have choices. That's why I tell you, you know what sin is? It's thinking you have a choice. People, we have a choice every day. I don't. I don't. I don't have choices. I made my choice. He's my Savior and my Lord. The Word of God is my authority. I don't have a choice. Don't care what the culture world, because the world isn't going to save me. The world doesn't care about me. The world's just going to continue to come and go, come and go, come and go, and try to wash things down and liberalize it and kind of justify it and make it all about me. I don't want anything to do with that. I died to the world. I live by the Spirit. I don't have a choice. What's the Word say? What would Jesus do? I live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's it. I don't have a choice. That's why when I start and I make a mistake, confess it. He's faithful and just to forgive it, make it right. If I need to go to somebody, I go to him and say, listen, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I don't have a choice. I just don't have a choice. Live under the influence. Because when the Spirit convicts you, here's the beautiful thing. Remember, the moment we admit it, it's washed away. It's just washed away. Here's what happens now. It's number two. The Holy Spirit 
corrects us in righteousness. He convicts us of sin. I hook up because I need him. Now he's flowing water through me. He's correcting me, showing me all the good stuff of what God has. Here's what he says. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide us into all truth. This is what Paul wrote to his friend Timothy. All scripture, truth, is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. That's why I read the word of God. When I read it, it convicts me. You know, many years ago before I met Kay, I went white water rafting. Anybody ever done that? Because it's a little bit different than going down the James River in an inner tube, okay? All right? A little bit different, okay? I'm talking, I wanted to do it right. So I went to the Colorado River. Because if you know me, I just got to do it right. So I, I jumped out of an airplane, had someone said, hey, I'll take care of it. I'll pay for it if you want to jump out of an airplane. I said, dude, I'll jump out of an airplane. So I, I just, I, I just got to, I want to do it. So when I was going to whitewater raft, I had to do it right. Now, if you've never done this, before you hit the water, especially at the Colorado River, you're required to sit for quite some time with a guide who walks you through various commands that will, if you will, are vital when you're out in the water. Things like stop, dig, back paddle. He looked at me and says, why are you here? <laughs> okay, all of the important commands, all right? But here's why. Because an inex inexperienced guide brings about bad experiences in the water. But an experienced guide who knows the waters, knows the rocks, knows everything about it. That's why they tell you paddle this way, paddle that way. Because they know how to get you down the river. The same thing is with the Holy Spirit. It's a hard world out there. I get really tired of trying to paddle in my own strength. But it's really not a hard world for him. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he loves me so much. Isn't that what Jesus said? My sheep know my voice. And they follow me. When he says dig, I'm digging. When he says backpedal, I'm backpedaling. I'm just telling you. It's a beautiful thing. I stop and think about that in my own life and some of the things that Kay and I have gone through in our marriage with our children. And what I've learned more and more over the years now at 58 is how often God removes my natural inclinations. If I could use this clip, how often he makes the power go out and all the things that I think are so right. And pastoring a church, being a dad, being a husband. The world has taught me so many things. And almost every one of them are wrong, if not all of them. It's just a reality, people. It's amazing how much we're American. And a lot of times people who call themselves followers of Jesus are more American than they are Christian, Christ-centered. Just amazing to me. 
how they have plenty of time for this, but they don't have any time for the Word of God. And I just see it. I just watch it. Satan is just so hard at work. We, just, we, we don't even really acknowledge him. Like, we don't realize how good he is at what he does, and I hate to give him any credit for anything. Like, we don't even understand that he used to be one of the key angels in heaven. Like, he knows the Bible better than anyone other than Christ himself. He's been watching you and I since the day we were born and everything about us. He knows every one of our, if you will, struggles and hardships and and he, he just is relentless. And we just play games. It's just, it's just odd. Like, do we really want the Holy Spirit? And I, I'm amazed how many times God takes me out over the ocean. And it's in combat. The aircraft carrier is completely dark out in the ocean. And I'm flying out in mission, and, and all of a sudden, all my controls go out. And it's almost like God goes, all right, now we can fly. It's like, fly? What are you talking about? I need to trust my instruments. He goes, no, that's your problem. Quit trusting your instruments. You have but one. And I'm doing things you can't imagine. That's why Romans says no one was without excuse. That's why I don't believe in atheists. It's just a crock of crap when people go, he's an atheist. She's an, no, they're not. They're mad at God. Quit doing it. For the moment you believe that, then you discredit the word of God because Romans 1 says that no one is without excuse. God has made himself known in their own human heart. And if we're creating the image of God, then there can be nobody that is born without that image. God's longing back the image and Satan does everything he can to just play it out and try to get us to run in directions and all that stuff and make us so human that we miss the most incredible thing that we have within us called the Holy Spirit. And over and over, I found myself flying out in the blackness of night. And I've had thoughts when I was young. Maybe I just need to ditch the plane. Like, I can't do this anymore. God goes, I know you can. When are you going to stop trying? There's nothing in you that's going to make this marriage work. There's nothing in it that's going to make those kids come home. There's nothing in that. If you could do it, then you don't need me. And he shuts the power out. And if you'll learn to look outside yourself, you can look down and God has an amazing thing with nature. The moon is shining and he looks down, true story, Jim Lovell, and he remembers and he sees this algae glowing. And the only way that algae could be glowing is because it's being turned up and the only thing that could turn that up would be the aircraft carrier. And if I'll follow that algae, it'll take me home. And it did. God cares about getting you home. That's all he cares about is getting you home. This ain't it. This ain't it. But you got to turn it on, man. You got to hook it up. Max Acato tells of a lady who had a small house on a seashore in Ireland at the turn of the century. She was wealthy, but quite frugal. The people were surprised then when she decided to be the first to have electricity brought to her home. Several weeks after the installation, a meter reader appeared at her door. 
He asked if the electricity was working, but he was confused in the asking. She assured him it was. He said, okay, I gotta ask then. I'm wondering if you can explain something to me. Your meter shows that you barely use it. Are you using the power? She said, certainly I am. Each evening when the sun sets, I turn on the lights just long enough to light my candles, and then I turn it off. <laughs> yes, I love Jesus. And we get about the world. Then something bad happens. Oh, God, please. Now we turn him on. Hook it up. Hook it up. I know some of you are thinking, if I hook this up this time of year and I leave it hooked up, Pastor, the pipes will break. No, it won't. Just never turn the water off. Why would you turn it off? What's the point of hooking up to something you're not using? It's a river that flows, people. Just leave it hooked up. There's nothing you have to do. The water will flow. Hook it up. Learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. When the conviction comes, respond to it. God, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Respond to it. Do the righteous thing. He's leading you. He's hoping you. But I'm here to tell you, when you think you can unhook it and hook it and unhook it and hook it, you may not have liked this, but there'll be a day you'll never hook up again because you wouldn't know it was him even speaking because you silenced his voice, because you made your life more important than his work. Respond. Start walking in the Holy Spirit and let's see what God will do and how much alive he will come. Amen? I'm gonna invite Reed to come and Josh to come. I want to pray first. Oswald Chambers says, conviction of sin is one of the rarest things that ever strikes a man. It is the threshold of an understanding of God. Jesus Christ said that when the Holy Spirit came, he would convict us of sin. And when the Holy Spirit rouses this consciousness, he brings himself into the presence of Almighty God. And if the Holy Spirit is in the presence of Almighty God, where do you think you are? And he's a God that will not fail you. Father, thank you for your word. It's so, so good.